Hello again. How are we doing today? I want to introduce myself again. Hello. I am one who serves and loves a good God whose ways are perfect. Again, I wrote on my orange piece of paper. I think I'm going to do that from now on. It's a good way to remind myself who I am. I hope that we see ourselves, who we are in Christ, and what we can do in the lives around us as a community. So, hello, I am one who serves and loves a good God, whose ways are perfect. Again, I want to say this verse together. Psalm 5.8, can we read it together today again? Here we go. One, two, three. Lead me, Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your path straight before me. I find myself probably more than one time a day saying this prayer to myself. Just lead me, Lord, in your righteousness, not my own. Make your way past, make your path straight. Because the path may look crooked, doesn't it? When we look ahead, the path looks crooked. It's like, where am I going? I have no idea. But when we pray and say, Lord, lead me, the path looks straight. Even though it's crooked, it looks straight. And we follow that straight path. James, a humble servant of Jesus, of God, writes an encouraging letter to believers to live out their faith. He says, this is what you need to be doing. You have faith, but make that faith and put it into action. And that's what James is encouraging us with. One commentator wrote this, James is a letter written to implore believers to live and walk in the way God revealed through scriptures. James understood how to live out faith and he wants to encourage people to do the same. Gay Byron, an African-American commentator, wrote this, James is a blend of simple yet challenging prescriptions for living the Christian life. You read through James, they seem so simple, but they're so challenging. Because you read it, and sometimes you may be thinking, I don't want to do that. It's hard. It's simple, but it's challenging. And James is encouraging people to live out their faith. Last week we looked at what? Consider it pure joy when you face trials, temptations of many kinds. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Remember perseverance? It's a long road ahead of us. And then if we lack wisdom, what are we supposed to do? Ask God. Who gives generously to those who ask? And then remember... The study Bible I have on my shelf in my office, the central theme of James, our faith determines our actions and attitudes. Our faith in Jesus determines what we do. That's what James is all about. This morning we will look at humility. Ooh, humility. We don't want to be humble, do we? Humility, standing, 
Everybody's sitting now except me. But we're going to talk about standing and God. So humility, standing, and God. Pray with me before we dive into the book of James today. God, thank you so much for this morning and just what we prayed together out loud. Lead us into your righteousness. Make your path straight before us. Oh God, we want that. We want to follow you. We want to put our faith into action, but we can only do it if you are helping us. We can't do it in our own strength, our own wisdom. So we ask and pray and cry out that you would be with us today, this morning, as we dive into the book of James again. Lead us, guide us, direct us to live out our faith to the community around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of James, chapter 1. We're going to go through nine verses 9 through 18 today. Humility, standing, and God. Here we go. Verse 9 through 11. James writes, Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they, pa- they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed in the same way the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Believers. He starts this section off saying believers. He's writing to believers. Humility. This is what we're going to talk about humility. James grew up, remember, he grew up with probably, most likely, the most humblest man in the world, which was Jesus, his half-brother. Jesus made himself what? Nothing. Taking on the form of a servant. And humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. James saw firsthand what humility was. And remember, James didn't believe at first, but he grew up with Jesus, so he was around Jesus a lot. Jesus was humble. James is encouraging believers, followers of Jesus, to practice humility. Be humble, James is saying. He addresses believers two types, all right? Look at verse 9 again. How does he start the section? What word? Believers. First, you have believers in humble circumstances. Next, you have believers that are rich. Believers goes with both of them. Because he's writing to believers. So you have the poor, the humble circumstances or poor, and you have rich. But they're both believers. The poor take pride in their high position. What's the high position? What do you think? 
who they are in Christ. They may be poor, but James is saying, you could take pride because you are in Christ. Then you get to the rich, okay? What does it say about them? Where do they take pride? In their humiliation. Do you know what that word means? Remember, I like definitions. Last week, you heard Miriam Webster a lot. Here's what the definition of humiliation is. The feeling of being ashamed or losing respect for yourself. When the rich believers are humiliated, they are led to perceive and lament their moral littleness and guilt. The rich should take pride in their humiliation. They're brought low. It's not all about stuff. They are brought low to help them realize what truly matters in life. Whether you are poor, they took pride in their, hum- they, in their humble ex- circumstances, they took pride in their high position in Christ. They looked at themselves as, we're in Christ. That's where we take our pride. Humiliation, the rich, they are brought low to realize the stuff, the material things don't matter in life. The New Century Version reads like this. Believers who are poor should be proud because God has made them spiritually rich. Those who are rich should be proud because God has shown them that they are spiritually poor. St. Peter urges believers to clothe yourself with humility toward one another. Who wakes up in the morning? I hope everybody raises their hand. Who woke up this morning? Did you go to your closet? Yes or no? Or a drawer, wherever your clothes are. Did you pick out what you wanted to wear today? Did anybody look in the closet and say, oh, there's righteousness, I want to clothe myself in righteousness or humility? Did you look for that? I didn't. I didn't look in my closet and say, oh, I need to put on humility and then go outside. I forgot to do that. But Peter, he was an associate of James. They knew each other. But Peter urges people to clothe themselves with humility. Think about that next time you walk outside. Be humble. In whatever situation you find yourself in, poor or rich, because it is not the material possessions that matter, but the spiritual, the relationship you have with God. That's what matters. It doesn't matter how many things you have or how many things you don't have. What matters is God and your relationship with God. Turn over your Bibles to Mark. If you're on the Bible reading plan, you read this today, if you read your Bible already. I read it this morning. Each Three of the Gospels share the same story, but I was like, I just read it this morning, so I'm going to take Mark. So, Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, 
A man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So this man comes to Jesus and says, what do I have to do? Tell me, Jesus, what do I have to do to get eternal life? Jesus then goes on to say, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Go and do them, right? 20, teacher, all these I've kept since I was a boy. This man says, Jesus, I've kept everything. Tell me something I don't keep. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack. Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. What does Jesus tell this man? He says, I know you've kept all those commands I just said, but you lack one thing. Sell everything give to the poor, and then you can come follow me. Verse 22. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus said, go sell everything, give to the poor, then you can come follow me. And what does he do? And walks away. Because he had such great wealth. Then Jesus goes on. It's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. But this man was sad. Because why? He had everything, right? He had the best house. The best car if they drove cars back then. Whatever they drove. He had popularity. He had all the riches. But Jesus said, that's not what's important. He was sad because he was wealthy. James is urging the rich believers, take pride in the humiliation. If you're brought low, take it as pride and say, this doesn't matter. I'm going to follow Jesus. The riches can go. What should we do to get our focus off of earthly riches and onto heavenly spiritual riches? What do we have to do? I love books. You know that. And what did I do? I found a book on my shelf. Well, I had to go to the storage in my basement because I know I had the book and I wanted to bring it out. And I brought it out and what did I find? Spiritual encouragement from teenage Keith. You want to hear it? This is a book called Just Believe It. It's a devotional book on the book of James by Bill Myers, written for youth. So I did it when I was a teenager. And oh, 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 do you ever read your younger self and say, what are you writing? But this time I was like, I needed to hear that. Here's what I wrote. I don't remember how old I was, but it was probably 20 plus years ago. This goes, the chapter, that it, the section it was, so you want to be rich. 
And there was a question at the end of the section. It said, what can you do to make sure they won't rule over you? These earthly riches won't rule your opinion, your lifestyle. Here's what younger Keith wrote. And I was so blessed by my younger self. What can you do to make sure they won't rule over you? Pray. Read God's word. Seek his will, not your own. Serve others. Don't worry what others think. Younger Keith. And I just wrote next to it, thank you, younger Keith. I write in my books. I don't know about you, but you ever go back and read your comments? That's what was in my book. So be humble. Be humble. In whatever circumstance you find yourself in, I know poor believers, I know rich believers. Wherever you fall into, be humble. And show that humility. Show it. Show it, show it, clothe yourself with it, go outside and prove that you are humble so people can see there's a difference in you. Verse 12. Let's read it. Blessed is the one who perseveres, there's that word again, under trial because, having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him Standing. The testing of our faith produces perseverance. And when we persevere under trial and have stood the test, what happens? We are blessed. Sometimes I think that word gets overused. Blessed. But it says here, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. When you stood the test of time, when you stood that test, that person will receive the crown of life. You're going to be blessed if you persevere. We may ask ourselves, why are there so many trials in my life? What is the point of these trials? Do I really have to go through this one? Can there be some other way that I could do it? That's what we may ask ourselves sometimes when we're going through these trials. Why does this happen? What am I doing? God, why are you doing this? Or, or what are you trying to teach me? James is encouraging believers to persevere under trial because there is a reward that is coming. If you know a reward's coming, will you act differently? Kids, let me know. If you know a reward's coming, do you act differently? I'm going to shout out a big yes. If you tell your child or any children, if you get through this day without complaining, we're going to go out for ice cream, the biggest ice cream you can eat. We're going to go out for it tonight if I hear no complaining. How are you going to act, kiddos? If my kiddos are watching online, how are you going to act? No answer. You're probably not going to complain because you're looking forward to that ice cream, right? Or you don't like ice cream? <laughs> All right, let's go to the older generations. 
If I said, if you go the whole day without complaining, Preacher Keith's going to take you out for the biggest ice cream you can have, what are you going to do? Gerald's pumping his fist. You're not going to complain, right? What does it say here? If you persevere under trial and have stood the test, where you're standing, stood the test, you're going to receive a crown of life, a reward. You're going to get rewarded. Here's something to think about. How does a refiner know when the metal has reached its purest, most precious state? How does one know? Does anybody know? How do you know the metal's in its purest form? What happens? Reflects what? What kind of image? Keep going. Fuzzy? Fuzzy? No. What, what word? Clear, perfect reflection of the person's face. We stand in the trial and persevere through it. And when we do, we can stand on the promise that God will give us the crown of life, a reward. When God looks down into us, does God see a perfect reflection of himself? When I taught Bible in Korea to high school students, I put an image on the board. I said, here's God at the top, right? Here's us on earth walking around. Who's in the middle if we're believers? Who are we in? Christ, right? So God looks down at us through Christ. And what does he see? A perfect reflection of his son, Jesus. And we ask ourselves, Is it true? Does God look down at us and see a perfect reflection of himself? The trials we go through could very well be God's refining process. The things that don't need to be there are removed. Sometimes it's painful. Remember the rich man walks away sad because he has all this wealth. What happens when something's removed from us that doesn't need to be there? Are we sad about it? Are we saying, oh, I want that back. I didn't want to give that up. God promises a reward, the crown of life to those who persevere under trial and love Him. I wrote this down. God is in the rewarding business. Do you believe that? He's in the rewarding business. Persevere through trial. Stand. The word standing. Stand on the promises of God. If you know it, you can sing along. Standing on the promises of Christ my King. Through eternal ages let His praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing. 
Standing on the promises that cannot fail When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail By the living word of God I shall prevail Standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to Him eternally by love's strong cord, overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword. Standing on the promises, I cannot fall, listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Are we standing on the promises of God? Here, James says, those who persevere under trial, having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. Standing. Clothe yourself with what? Humility or righteousness. Standing on the promises of who? God. That's our next point we're going to look at. Let's read verses 13 through 18 and talk about God a little bit here. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each person Sorry, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose, He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all He created. God. We're going to talk about God. God is on our side. He's there to help us. And God is a good, good Father. He's there to help us, and He's a good, good Father. says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. Don't say that. Don't say, God, why are you tempting me? That's not what we say. Because what does 1 Corinthians say? 1 Corinthians, Paul writes this, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 he writes this to the believers in Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11 through 13. He writes, These things happened to them as examples and were written down as a warning for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. 
God is faithful. We can't blame God. God, why are you tempting me to do this? No, God's faithful. He's going to provide a way to escape the temptation. He's there to help you. Genesis 4 reminded me of Cain. All right? Cain and Abel. If you know the story, you can just listen. But if you don't, you can go into Genesis chapter 4. This is what Cain went through, okay? Cain and Abel, they bring their sacrifices to God. And what happens? Cain gets the disapproval, right? Abel gets the approval. It says this in verse 5. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Verse 6 of chapter 4 in Genesis. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, you will not be accepted. Will you not be accepted? Sorry. But if you don't do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. God comes to Cain and says, why are you angry? If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? Sin. It's crouching at the door. Sin is crouching at the door. It desires to have you and me. You must rule over it. We like sin. We like sin. We like it. But we also hate sin. We like sin. We hate sin. But we must rule over sin. Sin wants to rule over us. But James is saying here, when you're tempted, don't say God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away. By what? Their own evil desires. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin when it's full grown, gives birth to death. James is writing to believers, and believers, believers, we have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. And we must keep in step with the Spirit. Do you ever go walking with somebody? Sometimes I walk with my wife and we're holding hands and I walk too fast. And she's like, you've got to walk with me. You're dragging me. Is that what we do with the Holy Spirit? If we're walking along life's trials, temptations, and the Holy Spirit's leading us and all of a sudden we go too fast or we go too slow and the Holy Spirit's up there, what happens? 
What do we fall into? What do we fall into? The temptation, which leads to sin, which leads to what? Death. We're walking under trials and temptations. And God says, I've provided a way to escape, but you're going that way. And James is encouraging believers to say, don't blame God. It's yourself. It's your own desires that are causing you to sin, causing you to die. That's why he says in verse 16, what does he say? Shout it out. What does he say? Don't be deceived. Don't let sin deceive you. The Apostle Paul wrote this to the Galatian believers. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. He writes to the Roman believers, For we know that our old self was crucified with Jesus so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. We struggle against the powers, the rulers, the authorities, the spiritual forces of evil in this dark world. But we can fight by putting on God's armor. When we put on the armor, we can take a stand against whatever the devil throws at us. The schemes, the traps that drag us away and lead us into what? Sin. Which leads to death. God is on our side. God is there to help us and God is also a good Good Father, good, good Father. Here's a song written by Pat Barrett and Tony Brown. It says, Oh, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good Father. It's who you are. I'm loved by you. It's who I am. Oh, and I've seen many searching the answers or searching for answers far and wide, but I know we're all searching for answers only you provide. Because you know just what we need before we say a word. You're a good, good Father. It's who you are. I'm loved by you. It's who I am. Because you are perfect in all your ways. God's on our side. God's there to help you. He's a good father. Every, what does it say? Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like the shifting shadows. Bill, from this book again, Bill Myers writes, this was in 2001, but I think it's still appropriate for today. In this age, everything is changing so fast. 
What's in today is cliche tomorrow. What's morally offensive today will be the norm tomorrow. But amidst all this change, it's good to know that God stays the same. He will not change. What he said thousands of years ago still stands today. God is on our side. He's there to help us. He's a good, good father. He doesn't change. God doesn't change. Clothe yourself with what? Humility. Standing on the promises of God who's on our side, there to help us, and is a good, good father. And his ways are perfect. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If so, I hope that you have been challenged today to live out your faith in Jesus. Live it out. If not, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Admit that sin has mastery over you. Repent of that sin. Say, God, you are Lord and Savior, and Jesus, you can only save me. Be baptized for the forgiveness of sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And with the Spirit's help, live faithfully to God. Clothe yourself with humility. Stand on the promises of God because he's there to help you. He doesn't change. Pray with me today. Oh God, we thank you so much for James and the passion he had to write this letter. We know that James did not believe at first, but he became a follower of Jesus, his half-brother. And he wrote this letter to encourage believers everywhere to live out their faith to proclaim the good news of Jesus thank you for James help us to clothe ourselves with humility standing on the promises of God because you are there to help us and you never change thank you for Jesus and the sacrifice he made on the cross for our sins This news will cause great joy to all people. Jesus, the Savior, was born into the world to save people from their sins. Help us to take that message to those around us that don't know you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.